This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Is Sky Blues Extra? Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is now kindly sponsored by Shortland Horn, Coventry's leading estate agent. I'm David Moore, and I'm joined this evening by Andrew Greasley, another very special guest. The special guest this evening started his career at Portsmouth before having spells at Cambridge, Barnet, and Birmingham and then joined the Sky Blues in 1996. He made 34 appearances and scored two goals under the management of Gordon Strachan. It's, of course, Liam Daish. Liam, thank you for joining us on the show and sharing your football journey with our listeners. Pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Looking forward to uh, chatting. It's brilliant to have you on, and I'm sure we're going to get kicked off at some point into your Coventry career. But... Just going back, you were you were born in Portsmouth. Did you support Portsmouth as a as a child? When I when I was growing up, you know, I was born in born and bred in Portsmouth, and um, you know, I was always around sort of uh, Portsmouth fans. But I th- I think really what really got me into and got me interested in 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 football and playing football was, you know, I was born around '68, so. When I was really getting into it was around the time that Liverpool were sort of dominating Europe and um, what got me into it. And I, I became a sort of Liverpool fan very early. And um, obviously, you know, being born and bred in Portsmouth, I was a Portsmouth fan. But Liverpool was the, the team that sort of really got me um, my appetite for football, just playing it and watching it because I was around them 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 80 sides that that were dominating Europe and uh, that really got me into or my dad got me into sort of by waking me up on a Wednesday night and pulling me downstairs on a school <laughs> on a school night to watch um you know Liverpool playing them big European nights so I think Liverpool really w- was the team that I supported as a child but obviously you know as you grow older and um, 
you start attaching to yourself to to your hometown club. So the bit of both, really. And, and how did you kind of get into football? Um, how did your your journey into playing football start? Um, I, it it got in just you know really grassroots boys team. I played for a a, a really successful boys side um, in Portsmouth called Solent United, and started off their training at sort of under ten level, under nine, under ten. There was no real acad. There was no such things as academies at then in them days. So. It was basically, you know, being part of a, a good, successful boys' club in uh, 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 in Portsmouth uh, with Solent United, and then, you know, progressed with them, and and then sort of it took off from there, where went into sort of, you know, again, different era, different time, but schools football was really big then, where you know, representing your. Of course, your school school team and your district team, and then yeah, there, district and county know, football was really big, wasn't it? it? Was massive. There was real prestige uh, around it. You know, if you were if you were a county player or a district player, um, that took you into sort of trials for national level and staying up in Lillishall at, at sort of fourteen, fifteen. Um, Brilliant. So you know the schools, the English schools football association was really was really massive in them days and um, and competitive as well. Liam, wasn't very it? competitive, very competitive. You know, gave it was as I say there was prestige. It was um, prestigious. You you know you had to turn out right. You had to be punctual. Gave you a real grounding of of the of each level you went up. It, it the higher you know the prestige got and the standard got exactly and um you mentioned there about liverpool growing up and and supporting them but also seeing portsmouth was there a player in particular that you may have modeled yourself on in your early sort of career well in in my early days when i first started off I, you know i ended up playing obviously at center half for um from an uh, from sort of 14 or 15 but early days you know watching t watching players uh, Liverpool and you know my 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 dad was Irish and there was a there was obviously a connection with the Irish team and watching midfielders and I played in midfield as an early as a kid really sure and watching teams like players like Liam Brady and, yeah uh, Graham Souness um, these real midfield generals and 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 enforcers especially in in the likes of Souness was my sort of I loved that. I loved his, the competitive nature of them players. That really got me. Um, so they were my sort of heroes, really. And you signed with your hometown club in 1986, Liam. Uh, how did that come about? Um, just by the normal process, you know, got scouted early, I think playing county level and uh, mm. and signed schoolboy forms at 14, which was the first step. Um, where you signed at 14, I was still allowed to play with my my, uh, my Sunday side and my um, uh, and my school side. So there wasn't that where now academies they drag them in at sort of eight and nine, and you're not allowed to play with your mates. And you're not there was none of that. Played as much football as we wanted, um, and then from 14 worked really hard to to get an apprenticeship. Uh, got me me old apprenticeship or YTS, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then went on the journey of being sort of like full-time full time, full time uh, football from a hometown club. Mm. And was it frustrating to be released after just making one appearance for Pompey there? 
Yeah, it was. It, it was a strange. Uh, it was. It, I always remember that time. I mean, I got I got signed by um, Alan Ball at that time. Yeah, and, um, good player he was, wasn't he? Great player, World Cup winner, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, he 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 gave me my debut. I I was on a real great pathway then, and and to be fair, I signed, I signed my, my first professional contract early, and then and then in the summer, uh, I think I, I'd made my debut. Everything was mm. going great. I made a few appearances in minor cup cup competitions. I was part of a squad, and then, then in the summer, I um, I went away actually for my first holiday abroad as a kid. I was I think it was eighteen then, and uh, I went to Ibiza and came back. And in pre season, I came back and and had a caught some sort of virus or what, and 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 basically was laid missed all pre season. Started off on a really bad. You know, bad start, mm. lost a lot of weight. Um, and I was always sort of playing catch-up from then and um, had a few other bad injuries. Uh, it was the year that Portsmouth had got back to the, the old first division then, but they got mm. relegated the first year. Uh, and I'd missed a lot of season through illness and um, uh, uh, injury. And at the end of the se- that season, sort of got released with a, n- a number of players and it was sort of like, uh, you know, it was, it was a bit of bad luck, got got pr- probably a little bit lost in what I was doing. Um, yeah. and, and then, obviously, I got released, got free transfer, and I, and I moved. But in hindsight, probably moving away from my hometown club um, uh, and around what was going on in Portsmouth and what I was doing in Portsmouth was probably, probably uh, a blessing in disguise. But... You know, I played for my, my hometown club, and um, we won a, again in a in a in a league game away at Ipswich, and won one nil. And it was the year that we actually got promoted to the first division, the old first division. But that sec that next year, you know, I had a I had a bit of bad luck and and with illness and injuries, and it, it just didn't work out. But but from then on, I sort of carried on and, and moved on quickly. Yeah, I think if you, if especially at a young age, if you miss a pre-season, it, it's vital, isn't it, Liam? It's uh, you're just oh, playing, you're playing backwards, aren't you, really? Yeah, and you know, let's face it, I, 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 I played at that in that was '86. That was a different era to today. You know, mm. I mean, I work with the under-18s at Portsmouth now, and and the support mechanisms around young players are, you know totally different to to when I was there. It, it was a little bit, you know, you sink or swim a little bit in them days and yeah. uh, a little bit of a different environment altogether. But great experience at Portsmouth, played with and played amongst some great lads, some great characters in that dressing room, which which, which really um, stood me well going forward um, uh, towards, to, towards the rest of my career. Mm. And you found consistent first-team football at Cambridge where you helped the club achieve two promotions into the second division. Tell us about your time at Cambridge, Liam. Yeah, well, like <clears throat> Cambridge was a special place for me to start off with, uh, like it was with a lot of a lot of other players at that age. We, mm. um, uh, I was signed by Chris Turner. John Beck was the assistant at the time. I was signed for Chris Turner on a free transfer. Was he the goalkeeper, Chris Turner? No, he was Chris no. Turner who, who became uh, went on to become Peterborough's manager oh, yeah. and yeah, Peterborough's yeah. chairman. Yeah, Sadly, yeah. He, di- he died a while back, and um, 
but a hell of a fella, great fella, mm. you know, a big influence in my career. Um, but I, I went into, you know, that first pre-season in, um, I think it was 88, 89, and I sat in a dressing room with a, a, a load of other lads in the same position as me, all free transfers, let, uh, let go by uh, bigger clubs. And it was like a second chance for us. And amongst them sitting there was was the likes of Dion Dublin, for instance. And that's the first time I met Dion. Um, we were all sat there as kids, uh, you know, young or young teenagers, um, uh, young pros with a second chance. And, um, mm. you know, we grabbed it with both hands and um, and went on to, to, to achieve some unbelievable um, uh, times and experiences um, with such a small club like Cambridge. Yeah, and I've heard a few stories about John Beck and like leaving the grass long in the uh, corner flags. What was he like as a character, Liam? Uh, direct. <laughs> yeah, very direct, but what very, very good coach. A great coach. Yeah. Got the best out of, of, of the players. We played to a system. Everyone was well drilled. Everybody knew mm. what they were doing. Um, uh, teams couldn't really understand or couldn't work out how to combat what we were doing, um, scored a number of goals, you know, quarterfinals in the FA Cup. A um, lot of players from that 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 era and that team went on to play, um, you know, Premier League football. Um, took a club from, you know, second, third from bottom of the old fourth division to on the brink of becoming, um, or being in the, in the first division or what would now be the Premier League. Yeah, and what was? But, uh... but before his, t- you know, he was before his time. He was, mm. he was doing things that you know he brought um, back in eighty, you know, eighty eight, eighty nine when we first went there. He, he was into nutrition. He was into uh, uh, stats. Uh, we had an analyst. We had a fitness coach. We we had psychologists. Way before, um, yeah. you know, our diets were different. We were doing things that, you know, now we see as a, as a science. And, you know, there's someone working at, at a club now that will be looking after that. He was doing that on his own and um, doing it way before anyone else. So, you know, he was way before his time and that. And had good players around him, signed good young, or Chris Turner had signed good young players yeah. that were hungry, willing um, that would run through brick walls for him. And obviously at Coventry City, we have it a lot where we have players on loan and they try and you know help their progression and their development. You you had a loan spell um, where you went to Barnet. How did that sort of help your your own development? Uh, massively. I, l- I loved my time at Barnet. I went on loan with, um, there was three of us. There was me, Chris Ledbetter um, and Dion, actually. Dion came with us. Um, we spent time down at uh, Barnet under Barry Fry. The chairman at the time was Stan Flashman, who was the, the ex-old uh, ticket tout from London. So there was always tickets for, for um, <laughs> Wembley Arena to see all sorts from from The Who to George Benson to Frank Sinatra. He would have these tickets. We travelled in the best England coaches. We were the Man United of non-league at that. And we, we went and played... And, you know, played in a real tough environment of the old yeah. Vauxhall Conference then. 
Yeah. Um, and I always remember, I was just thinking and looking at the questions. I remember we, me, me and Dion were on contract, uh, um, and Chris, we were on contract at Cambridge United. And to get us that experience, it would never happen now. But we actually, we actually signed uh, or, or cancelled our contracts so we could go on loan and play for two clubs. So what we did at the I remember wow. one one year we played we played for uh, Cambridge. Uh, so yeah, we played for Cambridge on the Friday uh, away at I think it was Wrexham, and we then drove or I drove the two lads and we drove to Stafford to play for Barnet on the Saturday after. So we played Friday night. And then we travelled and played on the Saturday at three o'clock against Stafford Rangers. Wow. Um, well, the, the, the very next day then? The very next day. And we had a night out in between. <laughs> but yeah, that's how different it was. You know, of course. We, we were just keen to play football. Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, Barnett looked, up, looked after us financially, gave us, we were earning more money playing for two clubs than what we were for just the one. But Great experience, uh, great set of lads down at Barnet. First time I'd met Barry Fry, larger than life, and um, you know we uh, we really enjoyed our time there and uh, and a great experience. And then when the time was right, we were pulled back and we went straight into the first team at Cambridge and uh, never looked back from there. A, a very traditional loan spell, you know. Whereas now it's uh, more to reduce the wage budget at times, but that sounds like it very much was something to help your progression, get you that first team sort of experience. Yeah, and... I mean, I think I think there was there was a real connection between the two managers, by the way. So I'm not, you know, that, that they even yeah. did help with players and and we there. But we literally play, I always remember we played Wrexham on the Friday, got in, a, I drove down, got in the car and we drove to, uh, we were put up in a hotel in Birmingham and then went to Stafford and played against Stafford Rangers. But, uh, you know, as I said, we they were. Um, it was an experience for us where all we wanted to do was go and play football, and and, and um, you know we we had trust in 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 the in the manager that he, it was for the right reasons, and um, we all benefited out of it really. And from Stafford Rangers, Liam, to a special moment, making your international debut for the Republic of Ireland in '92. How did your consistent run of games at Cambridge support that call up and? Yeah, what was it like making your debut? Yeah, Ireland? I mean, uh, that was the ultimate. I mean, bearing in mind, I was playing a, a, for a, a smaller club with all respect in Cambridge United, and then suddenly, you know, uh, I, I remember I got picked for uh, the under-21 tournament in Toulon, which I played in, played very well, played in some B games, played well, um, sure. and then got drafted in um and made my debut. I was around squads, first team squads, and then made my first uh, first team debut away at home to Wales. But you know, being from Cambridge, you know, when you're sort of sitting in a dressing room with yeah. um, you know David O'Leary, Ronnie Whelan, um, you know John Aldridge, Ray Houghton, Paul McGrath, you know, it, it, it was like Jesus, how did, how did I get here? You know, but um, <laughs> great experience and. Um, had some great times being in and around the Irish squad. Of course. And it must have made it even more sweeter, really, that, like you say, being in a a lot of those players that you mentioned there would have been coming from real top flight clubs. And, and that's not taking anything away from Cambridge. But 
you, you know, as as you said, it, it must have been sort of even more sweeter, really, to be picked from that, um, maybe from that squad. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it's the ultimate, isn't it, to play for your for your country, and uh, you know, things quickly things can escalate from being sort of you know given a free transfer at Portsmouth to suddenly being given your debut by another World Cup winner in Jack Charlton, and um, you know, so sad to to see him pass. Um, what a lovely man! What a real legend yeah. of the game! Um, and but to be around that environment of the Irish squad at that time. Um, was something I'll always hold dear. Didn't play a, a, a number, a many games for them because one, you know, probably the players that were ahead of me were a lot more experienced and probably, uh, you know, more, you know, better if you like when you've got these, you know, proven first division Premier League players. But I just loved my time around that and uh, around that that era and uh, being amongst um, a great set of lads. Um, a great manager in Jack, great spirit with the Irish fans. It, it was really special. As a result of your performances uh, for Cambridge, um, you earned a move to Birmingham in 1994. Uh, talk us through that move, Liam. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, by then John Beck had left. Um, I'd had a few uh, inquiries that I was going to move on. Uh, Sunderland was 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 close, um, mm. uh, but um, Birmingham Birmingham had came in for me. Um, uh, Barry Fry had just taken over, uh, and I moved I moved there. I, I was I was probably at, not having the greatest time at Cambridge. To be fair, I'd had a few injuries, probably been there a little bit too long. I needed a fresh challenge. I needed something to really get me going again. And and Birmingham gave me that that stage where with all respect to Cambridge, Birmingham City was on a different level with expectation, a real mm. partisan crowd, um, you know, I warmed to the whole thing. It was a real challenge. We were fighting for relegation. Um, and I got I got um, you know, signed for them and um really, really enjoyed my time at Birmingham. Um, settled well in the Midlands, had my daughter there and um mm. You know, I had a had a great time, and and although we got at the back end of the season, which when I signed, we we narrowly missed relegation, but then we bounced straight back uh, and won the championship, which I captain got to Wembley and won the auto windscreen again, won the double with them, um, and um, you know things started to take off again. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And we had uh, Peterborough chairman, Darren McAntony, on uh, talking about Barry Fry. Um, what was Barry Fry like with you, Liam? Uh, Barry Fry, yes. Barry, I mean, <laughs> I know Barry larger than life, you know, animated. Um, yeah. I would say he was one of these, um, uh, uh, a tactical manager or coach. He wasn't a coach. More than a manager, an was he? he? He had an eye for, I'll tell you, I tell you what he had. He had an eye for a player. Yeah, knew how to manage you. Yeah, he never took any grievance or anything going forward. He drew a line under any time mm. if you if you, if you upset him or done something wrong. As long as you did it on a Saturday, he was he, he treat, treated you like a like a man. Um, uh, and was honest with you as long as you were honest with him, mm. um, and uh, you know allowed you to go and express yourselves in the right way and um 
but was very honest. You know, if you if if he if he if he didn't think you were doing it, he'd tell you straight. But um, he, as I say, he never he never took uh, grievances or umbrage and took things forward. It was always pretty much whatever happened was nipped in the bud and moved on. But as I said, not great, not a great tactician. No. But had an eye for a player. Knew liked strong characters in his team. Mm. Liked liked dealing with uh, good, strong, honest individuals. Um, and uh, you know, had a, had, there was a bit of a method in his madness. Shall yeah. I say, you know, I think that with him, I think players how he treated players. I think they just run through brick walls for him. Is that kind of manager? Well, I isn't think it? you know, I, I I signed for I signed for Blues when um, you know the the club was pretty much on its knees. You know, it mm. was it weren't it weren't great. The ground was pretty poor. Yeah. Yes, they they've been taken over by obviously David Sullivan and Karen Brady was in. Oh, yeah. Exec, uh, and the club started to lift off, and they probably needed someone like Barry who uh, could front front the whole thing. wasn't wasn't actually enjoyed controversy. You know, every 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 day there was a there was a story going about, or the, we were on the back page for you know for maybe the wrong reasons. The new, but it actually he actually reveled in it. He enjoyed yeah. that. Um, that that media um, you know circus, if you like. He knew how to handle it. He was likable. Um, people start to warm to him after we got a few results, uh, and then suddenly it was just you know we we just took off really. And 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 I say the following year, you know we 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 won the championship. We were back in the or we sorry we won uh, league. League two, back in League One, which would now have been the championship, mm. uh, had a trip to Wembley in front of seventy thousand, and uh, and things started to take off from there. Yeah, and from that success, you you joined the Sky Blues in nineteen ninety six for one and a half million. Um, when did you hear about that move, Liam? Well, it was it was it was strange, really, because uh, we we just beaten uh, we just beaten Norwich in. Uh, I think it was the quarterfinals of the the League Cup, and we played Norwich. I I'd, I scored actually on the in the last dying seconds. We were down to mm. ten men, and I'd scored from a corner in the last seconds. So from the kickoff, we were through to the semi-finals, um, and we we drew Leeds in the semi-finals. We were one step away from Wembley, and then out of nowhere, um, between the Norwich game and the Leeds game. Um, basically got a call to say, you know, the club have accepted an offer from uh, from Coventry. Um, you know, you're going to become a Premier League player. Um, the timing of it was, you know, I still don't get the get, get that, but I think it was more down to um, the business side of it with the money that was involved, um, what they actually had bought me for and what they were selling me on for was something, I think, you know, Coventry at the time were in a bit of a, in a bit of a mire, relegation mire at the time and they Mm. needed a quick fix or at least needed somewhat, something in defensively. And if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be someone else. I don't think the, the, the time in that Coventry had to deal with, had to get someone in. And, uh, I think, Basically, it was one of them. They couldn't turn down 
the money that was being offered and, 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 and to balance the books and there was things being paid for and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, and, and before I knew it, I was, I was signing and, and uh, joining Coventry City. So it was a bit of a, a, bit of a strange one, really. One, one minute I'm, you know, head, scoring the, the last second goal to, to see us through to a semi-final of the League mm. Cup against Leeds. And then the next minute I'm, it's all changed and I'm, I'm on, my, on my way to Coventry as it was, or sent to Coventry as it was. <laughs> That's that's funny because I was going to say come on to around what attracted you to Coventry or what was attractive about Coventry, but I suppose that is sometimes the way of football, isn't it? That there is, um, you know, a, a deal will be done and 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 that would be it. But was there anything sort of before you moved to Coventry that you thought, you know, did it feel like a good move in a way? Oh, listen, definitely. You know, let's let's don't. You know, don't take it that I was forced out the door because I wasn't. Because yeah. you know, the call of playing Premier League football, working under you know Ron Ron Atkinson signed me, and Gordon was his number two. Of course. Uh, and 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 then you look at the you know the, the challenge there, and you know I was still living in Birmingham, so it wasn't million, million sure. miles away. Um, you know, it fitted well. Obviously, the financial side of it um, was re- really important. Um, and um, but the, the again working you know as I said I I'd, I'd started off as as a kid and an apprentice at Portsmouth and then I'm you know I'm the, then I'm on loan at Barnet then I'm at Cambridge or I'm yeah. at Cambridge then I'm loan at Barnet then I moved up Birmingham you know I've always you know throughout my career I was always looking for the next challenge and 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 moving the bar or raising the bar higher and and you know moving up from. Um, you know, a championship side to a Premier League side. Th- this is where I want to be. This is what, this is what I played football for. To be try and play at the highest level. I possibly Everyone does, could. doesn't they? Exactly. And, yeah. And and it, you know, it, it's there's obviously there's the financial side of it, but you want to play. At, you know, I was always told as a as a nipper, the only play, the only place to play is at the top you know that's the place where everybody and you've always got to strive to try and get there and and then when the opportunity come that I could get there and play um, you know under Gordon under Ron you know as I said before don't get me wrong I wasn't forced out the door as soon as someone was interested and I thought I'm going and I'm on I'm playing against and with great players yeah you know there wasn't a lot of persuading there and you mentioned the two managers there. Um, firstly, we've heard well, we've heard a lot on the podcast around both managers. But what was um, Ron Atkinson like, and and also what was Gordon Strachan like, and and how were they sort of different? I suppose. Well, they were totally different. Um, I think you know Ron was probably the last of the old school managers, if you like. Yeah, before the you know obviously. Around that time, the money from Sky was really coming in, and it was getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, more of a more of a professionalism was coming to to um, to to clubs regarding you know how we how we were coached, how we were p- trained, and all that. Ron was probably the last of the old school managers. Where sure. I love Ron, I love playing along Ron. Ron Ron wasn't a tactician as such. He knew the game inside out. Yeah. would know who was playing for every, uh, you know, if you said who was the right back playing for Grimsby Town, he would know it. Yeah. Um, but he had this great, uh, 
great way of making you feel special, saying the right thing at the right time, whether it was to motivate you, to knock you down a little bit, to keep your feet on your ground. He had a great wit about him. Um, people said, you know, we had this thing about him being flash. He wasn't flash. He yeah. could be flash, but he was great just being one of the lads. He wanted yeah. to be the lads. Uh, I love I love being uh, around Ron. Um, a real real character. Um, and then Gordon, equally, you know, I enjoyed working with him as well. Different type, a real, um, st- real studious, a great tactician. Um, again, I'd worked under Ron. You know, it was it was funny because when 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 Gordon first, you know, he, he started off as a, as assistant and coach. Gordon was, you know, you could see Gordon had, had really knew the game inside out tactically. Yeah, yeah. And he'd uh, he'd set up all his, you know, how he how the morning was going to go um, regarding training, but then Ron would walk out, and Ron would just want a five side, so that would all go out. All what <laughs> Gordon would go all over. But once, but once, um, once uh, Ron had. I've resigned. Gordon Moved really on. took it on then and yeah. took on, uh, you know, the whole thing. You know, training got a, a totally different um, in a way that, uh, you know, there was a lot more tactical stuff. Um, and, um, you know, he, he signed some good players as well and uh, had, had, had a couple of great seasons. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And with, with um, Gordon, because a lot of our younger Sky Blues fans, they, they won't really remember him um, playing. And he was still very, very talented, was he, even as a manager at training? I, I played I played with Gordon. He, he would come on every now and then or, or on a sub or he would start games. And invariably, he was best player on the pitch. He was all, you know, he was fit yeah. as anything. He lived, he lived, you know, he's, he, he could, he, when we turned up for pre-season, Gordon would, would be up running at the front, always the fittest. He would do everything that the players would do. A bit like John Beck did at, um, when I was sure. at Cambridge. He was exactly sure. the same. So whatever he asked you to do, he was he would do the same. And he was always at the front running, uh, uh, you know, a real, uh, you know, really looked after himself um, and led by example in that way. And when he played, you know, I played with him when he was 39, 40. Uh, incredible. And incredible player. And, and you just makes you think what he was like, you know, 20 years younger or 15 years younger. Phenomenal player and a great and a great fellow to work with and work under. And I learned a lot 
not just on the football side of it, but when I went left, left and retired and went into the coaching and the management side of it, learned a lot off Gordon as well as all the other managers that I'd worked under. And you managed to study the defence somewhat when you joined, Liam. Um, what do you think? What did you think of the team around you when you did join? Of the talent there? Yeah, there was some some real talent. Uh, you know, I think there was a little bit of. Um, I think the team was very, uh, quite loose defensively. Yeah. I think I did give you give it a little bit of. You know, one thing I know. I, I you know I never classed myself as being. You know, I've always classed myself to, uh, as a player, sort of limited, but knew knew how to defend and mm. and, and knew how to get the best out of defenders around me, organisation wise. Um, but there was some terrific talent, you know, people like Noel Whelan, uh, John Salako, Paul Telfer, Paul Will- Williams, uh, played with, you know, people like Kevin Richardson and people mm. like that. But, you know, there was, um, that was a good, it was a great achievement at the end of that. Um, and I'll, you know, put it down to something I'm really proud of that, you know, that them sort of last sort of, I think it was 12, 15 games that, I came in, we managed to stay up. Uh, I think it was on the last game of the season at home to Leeds as well mm. um, that we, we managed to stay up. But, yeah, great, 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 great facilities to work in. Great. I really enjoyed coming in and working with a set of lads and good players, you know, real mm. good players. I, I could definitely see the difference from where I come to to where I, what I was playing and training with uh, at Coventry. And you mentioned Dion Dublin. Uh, obviously, you played with him at Cambridge, Barnet, and you were playing with him obviously at Coventry as well. What, what was uh, Big Dion like? Well, I'd, I'd, obviously, I'd known Dion since we were sort of nineteen, twenty, and he was, um, and still is, a real, real close friend of mine and uh, a great lad, um, great centre forward, great, you know, real. Uh, old-fashioned number nine, if you like. You don't see many of them about now, but great in the air. Um, I, you know, when he, when, I, when he was, probably didn't run as much when I met up with him as Coventry as what I did uh, remember him when I was at Cambridge. At Cambridge, yeah. he, we, had, we had this system where we would hit channel balls and he would be off and he could, he could run, where I think in Cambridge he became more of a, an old-fashioned number nine, back to mm. back to goal number nine of, you know, feeding off crosses and holding the ball back. But, you know, an all-round uh, good captain, good number mm. nine, held the ball up, scored goals, good good player for someone to work on. You know, Darren Huckabee will, I'm, I'm sure will, you know, mm, will, uh, yeah. explain better than me. But <laughs> you know, must have been a dream for him to. Um, play around, off and around, and people like Noel Whelan. But Dion was always a great lad to be around, great team player um, and a good man. And um, I think think that's the key. You know, good players are usually good men as well. Mm. Um, Touching on Noel um, Snowy, a lot of people uh, growing up watching, he was my favourite ever player for the Sky Blues. His talent was amazing, wasn't it, Liam? Some cool, some people... May thought he could have played for England at one stage. Was he that good? I think I think Snowy could have played. Um, you know, I'm surprised he never played. For, he had a great opportunity to play for Ireland, really, Republic of mm. Ireland. That yeah, made, we've heard that. I, yeah. I think I think he 
I think that could have been a defining moment. I think choosing England, and I've got no, you know, but he, you know, his dad was Irish, and uh, mm. I think I think if he'd have played for Ireland, I think he would have gone on and made a bit of been a uh, you know a national hero because mm. one they would have looked after him a little bit. He wouldn't have just been a number. He would have been a starter. He would have been a regular. Um, and a focal point. He would have been a focal point. He would have been the the next generation of of players coming through. You know, like the Robbie Keens and people yeah. like that. And I think he, you know, I think if it had gone there, I think it would have given him that focus. Where I think sometimes with England, because of the pool of players that they can pick from, um, sometimes they go in and they get lost a little bit. But um, I think that would have been. You know, I think that was a defining moment for Snowy. I think you're right. Snowy there. had everything. He could score yeah. goals. He had the biggest attribute Snowy had was not only he was very, very brave for a forward, mm. but he was a real athlete. He could run and he was fit. And you know, I'm sure he'll if if you spoke to him, he'd probably say he took took for granted his fitness a little bit um, and probably yeah. caught up with him a little bit of maybe his lifestyle a bit for a while. But what a yeah. terrific player. And, and again, a great lad to play with. You know, he would run his socks off for you, uh, yeah. score great goals. I remember the goal he scored when we beat Liverpool at home um, and he got yeah. on the end of a cross and you thought no one could get on the end, but I think he got yeah. on the John Salako's cross and um, started and finished his move. But... You know, great lad, great, great athleticism and, um, you know, ability. Unbelievable. And something that gets discussed a lot on our podcast is Highfield Road. Um, what was it like playing there, Liam? Yeah, I enjoyed Highfield Road. Um, you know, I, I loved, I loved, it was one of them old grounds, wasn't it? We're amongst mm. chimney pots in Hillfields and, uh, you know, a bit like, um, you know, Fratton Park now at Portsmouth, you know, it's, yeah. it's amongst chimney pots, old school ground, had a real, you know, we used to go down in the back of the back of the, the stands and there was then sort of like, you know, on, on evenings, mm. evening games, you've got that atmosphere of, yeah. you know, being around people where some of these new grounds could become a little bit soulless where it's just car parks on car yeah. parks. Um, you know, you, you the crowd was on top of here a little bit. You know, I, I love them old grounds. You know, Goodison Parks is exactly the same mm. where everything's yeah. a little bit on top. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame, really, because them grounds are, 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 are gone and gone forever now. But I think they were all part of uh, of that atmosphere that, that they created. And you spent four seasons at Coventry. Um, you made 34 appearances uh, during that time. Uh, and I think there was a, a point where there was sort of a knee ligament injury. And, and that must have been a real frustrating injury after making sort of the move to Coventry, um, you know, as we discussed earlier, was that a frustrating time? Well, it was the it was the end of my professional career. At the end of it, at the, you know, all, all said and done, it was like it was the worst time. It was I, um, you know, I was really finding my feet at that level now, and I was really enjoying myself. Yeah. And then you know, it, it just it just shows you how things can turn upside down. I think we were. 
I think it was the Friday when I sustained the injury. We were due to play Man United on the Saturday. You know, I'm playing Man United now, you know, from yeah. someone who, you know, as I said, my journey wasn't just on an upward um, path. Yeah. It was, there was all sorts of little troughs and knockbacks. I'd suffered injuries before, but always got back from them. Um, you know, I had a broken legs. So I've had back injury operations, and but always got back. But this one, this happened on the Friday before we played Man United, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to Man United doing our yeah, last bit of prep. And then out of nowhere, no one around me, my knee collapsed and um, I, I tore my cruciate ligament. Uh, and then from then on, you know, looking back, probably could have dealt with the injury a little bit better, um, probably taking my time, I don't know, but I was so keen to get back in them days. Yeah. You know, you're looking to get back because you're thinking someone's going to take your place or where's that next contract yeah. coming from is it's, it's totally different now you know you sign one contract yeah probably sees you through for the rest of your life where in them days yeah the money was good but it was there was always the right where's the next contract coming from what do i need to do to this so you know managing the injury probably the care i had wasn't to the standard of what yeah, it should have been do you um, think that nowadays that obviously the injuries is a lot different, but do you think that nowadays injuries is much more a part of football? And I know that sounds really odd, but you know, now on Sky Sports News, you'll have injury updates, you know, on, on the hour or, you know, and they'll speak about the different clubs and who's out injured and how many weeks it is. Um, whereas perhaps before it was, people were expected possibly to, yeah, like you say, get back a bit quicker. Yeah, I think uh, definitely, and I think the care, the care now for players, um, injury-wise, and and everything, you know, whether it's physically, mentally, or whatever, the care is a lot better, and it will be because it's progressed that that much. But you know, I think I think nowadays, you know, players, you know, if players are in any doubt, you know, they're pretty much pulled out pretty quickly from injury. There's no that there is a process of getting back. There's not a there's not this, you know, you know, we had in them days we had our, uh, injections and you yeah. played, and you still, I'm sure you still get players that play with certain injuries, but you know there was there was that insecurity then that you played with, you know, when you probably shouldn't have played um, because there was always someone there ready to take your take your place, take your win bonus, take your yeah, appearance money. Um, and you know, rightly or wrongly, that's that's how it was. And mm. um, but my my situation at the end, it was sort of you know, I got back so close to being fit again, but in the end, um, you know, the the demands of being because I had to train, I had to be carry keep fit. I couldn't just I wasn't a, a Paul McGrath who would sure. turn up on a Saturday and be the best player and be in a swimming pool and on an ex exercise bike the rest of the week. And then every time I sort of close to got back, um, you know, my my knee was in such a state that you know it, it wasn't having it. We, you know, I tried everything from having fluid drawn off before I tried played to yeah. you know injections and all sorts. But it wasn't to be. Um, and in the end, you know, that what I will say is the club and and Gordon at the time were great with me. How. You know, they put my mind at ease and helped me through that. Um, and do you know what? At the end, you know, I retired at 30. Um, 
professionally. I still went on and played some non-league, which I went and managed. But um, I think, you know, in the end, it was like I didn't want to be the victim anymore. I was sure. fed up of people sort of looking at me as if to say, are you going to be fit? And looking at, I, I wanted to get out of that situation. Yeah. And you mentioned then moving on to um, a, a player manager role. And that was at Havenant Waterloo-Louisville, which is obviously yeah. back towards where uh, you grew up. Yeah. I, you know, turned full circle, um, went back to where I was sort of brought up as a kid and managed my local non, non-league side. Became, I started playing there and then suddenly... Before, before I knew it and, and nothing that I'd planned, I'd suddenly become player manager and, and went into the coaching side of it. And, um, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And then before I knew it, I, I was still playing. And then suddenly I'm, I'm sort of coaching and managing. So it's sort of, you know, it, 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 I stumbled into it. But once I was into it, I, you know, I really enjoyed it and, um, you know, went on to, to sort of, managing coach at that level close to sort of 14, 15 years. And you took the management role at Nuneaton uh, in 2014. Uh, the Sky Blues have a close relationship with Nuneaton, often loaning out young players there. Um, tell us about your time there, Liam. Yeah, I uh, I joined Nuneaton, uh, I think it was it 2013, 14 or, or yeah. just after that. And um, mm. I'd, I'd previously been at, been at Ipswich United in the conference for yeah. for like eight years. I had great times there, promotions, won the trophy, and all that. So mm. I left yeah. there after eight years, had a break, and then I got a call to go and would I be interested in? Um, and they approached me. I didn't apply for the job. They approached me. We want you to come to Nuneaton. So uh, yeah, I went to Nuneaton, and um, that was that was some experience to be honest. Um, mm. I, I went up there. I was, uh, I, 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 I had a brief interview. They wanted to speak to me. I thought, hello, this is, this is looking good. It's like the way they were, they were uh, going about the questioning and approach and interviewing. It was like I was being interviewed for the Man United job. But then yeah. when I actually got the job, they offered it to me and I took it. That's where it all sort of stopped and um, very, very sort of felt I was a little bit thrown under the bus there regarding everything, promises, a lot of in-house fighting between chairman and chief execs and uh, uh, supporters' trusts and Mm. secretaries resigning and... Uh, kit men resigning, and in the end, pretty much I was I was a one man band trying to um, keep a, a club in the conference, which probably was um, you know beyond them in in so so many ways. Mm. But yeah. an experience, but an experience, yeah. which which is what life's all about. So don't regret going there. But um, as I say. It taught me a few things about, you know, make sure you do do your due diligence before you go into a club. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And how did you find the uh, management side of the game, Liam? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, loved it. Um, yeah, I got some, got some, um, had some great experiences with it. Uh, learned a lot. Um, learned. I always remember. Um, you know, Gordon Strachan. I, I played golf with Gordon Strachan when he came down when he was managing. Southampton mm. and uh, 
he still had his. I think he he probably had a break and he was going on his way up. To, yeah, that's it. He 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 he'd been at Middlesbrough, and he kept, yeah. he still had his house on the south coast. And I he came and played golf with me at my local course on Hayland mm-hmm. Island. And I was talking to him about you know managing and all and things like. And he said something which you know for me rings true. And um, um, it's it's not about having good players around you. It's about having good men. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, it is that is what it's all about. Um, you, you get good people around you, good men around you, and you've got half a chance. And I think um, I think that's the truth. And if you if you do uh, if you uh, I, I look back at my own career in 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 regards um, success I've had in promotions and things like mm. that, and I look around and think about the dressing room I had that was. Mm. That had that success, and I think, yeah, that was a, that was a dressing room. Yeah, of good players, of course, but also good men. And I'm sure if you if you ask Mark Robbins the same, if yeah. he looks back in his dressing room, he'll say, "No, oh, that dressing room's got good players, but it's it's a dressing room full of good men." Yeah, yeah. We've really heard that recently on the podcast. Actually, that we think that is a massive part of the recipe for you know, the Sky Blue success that they've had this season, the, the dressing room seems to be really together. Um, and when you ask, you know, a few of the players who, who do they get on the best with, they they struggle to put, put out an actual name because they just get on all together so well. Um, what have you made of the resurgence that Mark Robbins and, and the Sky Blues have had over the past three years? I think it's been miraculous, really, for for what the club's been up up against, you know, yeah. without having their own ground and and things like that. And how that's how that's happened and um, been allowed to happen regarding not having a ground and ground sharing and you know, it, it's for a club like Coventry. I, I don't know how that's happened. I, you know, I, of course. I haven't really looked into the politics of why it's happened. But sure, Mark, Rob- we we tried to talk about that on the podcast, but it's one of those where football meets business, isn't it? And it's uh, yeah, but like you say, it's it's politics, such a shame. Politics and football, you know, when you try and bring them together, I think you know it's like it's like magnets. They they push apart a bit, and it's yeah. suddenly they conflict. But. Um, but when you but when you when you go back to what Mark's done there, being sort of you know homeless, a bit of a nomadic team, and and been able to, but you know from my experience sometimes you can use that, and I think he's probably channeled that in a way that you suddenly get that um, you know you breed that siege mentality where you think yeah. oh, look look it's, we're against this, but it it I had it. it I had it at Cambridge where we yeah. were the underdogs. We were the ones that nobody wanted to play. They didn't like They dismissed how we played. And it actually brought us closer together as a team and as a club uh, where we thought, you know, sod it, we're, you know, we're, we're not. And it brings you close. So I should imagine there was a bit of a siege mentality that brought us together where, listen, we are, it is what it is, but it can galvanise us. And, and, and if you can channel that, which he has obviously done, um, and, and you know, I went and watched them. I went and watched them play Portsmouth in the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, of course. Um, it was three all. Yeah, some uh, game, two red some cards. Game. Yeah, um, and and Portsmouth were winning, but in the end, Portsmouth actually had to change their system, even though they were winning, um, to 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 you know, and they nearly lost it in the end, but yeah. 
But Coventry played some great stuff and probably the best team that I saw down at Fratton Park last year. And it, obviously that game there, do you still sort of keep an eye out for the Coventry results and, and some of the results of your other teams? I keep an eye you know, I, I have a warm affection and have great memories of all all the clubs I played for and um, Lovely. and with all the me- memories of the players that I played with and, and Coventry are obviously in there and uh, always keep an eye out of, for them and, and, you know, speak to a few of the lads via Twitter or whatever and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always keep an eye out for them and so pleased that they've got back to uh, to the championship and hopefully they'll they'll sort their sort some home out or ground to play that, that that's theirs and um, and never get themselves back in that position again. Of course. And you mentioned there about the championship. Just as a player and, and a manager, what do you think they've got to do next year to sort of stay in that championship or even play at a higher level? Um well I I always think the jump for me, the jump from League One to championship is possibly bigger than the championship to the to the Premier League. Yeah. I think the championship is uh, probably the toughest league of all. Um, yeah. you know, the, everything will go up a level fitness wise, strength wise, the players, you know, you've only got to watch see what, what you know, how Leeds won the championship this year and, and how they played and you know, so it's it's going to be a big ask. Mark Robbins is going to need to be backed. He's he's obviously you'll know what he's doing and where he where he needs to target. But it's going to be a hell of a challenge for him. And um, you know, if uh, if they can consolidate and stay in there that next year, that'll be a, that'll be a, you know a, a real plus and a, a real achievement um, because I just think that that. That League One from from League One to Championship is massive and probably bigger than Championship to Premier League on the, on the difference in in quality. And we touched on earlier in the uh, podcast about what you're up to now, Liam. And you're uh, is it right you're, co- you're coaching at the Portsmouth Academy? Is that correct, Liam? Yeah, I, I, I'm the I'm the lead coach at. Um, at Portsmouth for the under 18s or the yeah. the scholars, so it's sort of like uh, I've like come full circle, really. You have, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's different, you know. It's it's, it's I can imagine with, it's dealing with a different era um, <laughs> yeah. and dealing with the. But I'm learning all the time and I'm enjoying yeah. it. And uh, mm. as I say, if I can just give the the lads a bit of experience of. Um, of what I went through and where where I've maybe mm. messed up or made the wrong choice or whatever and passed that on, then um, surely that can help them. Yeah, definitely. Do you find it different though, Liam? Because obviously you were a hard-hitting centre-half and growing up in an age that obviously a lot of the younger players these days are a little bit monocoddled, aren't they? Um, do you find it different? Yeah, but that's 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 uh, timing, though, isn't it? It's time, isn't it? Yeah, and that's yeah. society. You know, we yeah, we, of course. I, I'm uh, yeah, I'm aware of that, but you know, I'm guilty of that doing with my own daughter and probably giving, <laughs> you know. So, you know, that's society. Um, we are a little bit of that sort of um, you know uh, softer, mm. but I try, I try, I try, I try to prepare players for not just 
to be able to step up into a first team dressing room, but be able to step up in life. So yeah, whatever yeah, happens, you know, whether they come out of football as a, or they come out of their apprenticeship as a, they've got their pro contract or they come out and it's not worked out, but they can go out into the world and, um, and still go on and achieve and, um, and have them skills to be able to, you know, it's not all of, Football's not everything, and uh, you know, there's a. I'm a very aware, and the players are very, or lads are very aware. That's a small percentage of players now that actually go on to achieve what they want to achieve, and uh, that's why I find myself, although you know, going back to myself, but I find I look and think, you know, for someone who started out and what I did achieve, yes, I, you know, I had a career that could have gone on a bit longer a professional but for what I did achieve I achieved everything I wanted to do I played in every division um, I captained promotions and I played at Wembley I managed at Wembley and won played for my country and I'm very grateful for that and uh, you know and I just but if it had gone the other way I'd, I still like to think that um, you know I, I, I could have made my way in the world somewhere and that's all I want to do for the for the players that they they come out, they've got them skills that they can go and 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 be able to live a live a full life and 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 stand on their own two feet if you like. Yeah, Liam, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on, and it's such a fascinating insight. Every time we hear you know a, a former Sky Blue talk about Highfield Road and the characters and the managers, it it's just yeah. It, brilliant and, and thank you for coming on i'm sure our sort of thousands of sky blues extra podcast listeners are also thanking you for you know the commitment that you've shown when you wore the sky blues shirt um and also for, for sharing your story tonight it's been a pleasure and i'd just like to wish everyone next year and Coventry and the team and and everyone all the best and uh you know um it's good to see uh, the sky blues on the up now and listeners, don't forget to donate to the CCFC season ticket fundraiser. It's raising money to buy season tickets for families in Coventry who otherwise wouldn't be able to attend and watch the Sky Blues. We will link all the details on our social channels, so do keep an eye out for those. And as always, if you want to join in with a conversation, just use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.